God bless you. You may be seated. I do believe that I have, have a message from God tonight for you. It may not be what you've been used to in the last little while in this place, a, a shout, a burn, or whatever the case might be, but I do believe I have something for you. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother Mike, if he would, to stand and pray over the word tonight before I get started. Amen, amen. You know, I've been thinking about something an awful lot lately, and uh, it's something that's been kind of burning in my heart. It seems like lately there's a lot of people that are facing facing several different things in their life, different directions and different atmospheres and different tones of atmosphere and different attitudes and different it's just it's just all over the place it seems like there's a lot of decisions being made lately and as I was thinking and meditating on this message I began to think about how that some of the decisions that I've made in life some of the things that I've haven't taken into consideration some of the things I should have brother Nathan taken into consideration but I didn't and as I began to think about it, I began to think about the other night I woke up and I was just dead asleep and woke up and I was thinking about all the decisions that the men of God made in the Word of God, up to including the, the, main, the main character in the Word of God, and that was Jesus himself. With that said, I want you to go to Matthew 26, and I want you to hang out there for just a second for me, if you would. I get to follow some of the greatest men of God that I've ever had the honor to follow in the last little while, to be honest with you. And sometimes when you're following greatness, it kind of makes you wonder where you stand. I've heard several different messages preached from the last little while. I'm going to go back a little bit here to Brother Micah as he come in and preached our service for us the other day. I remember one thing that he said that that really stuck with me. And it said, if you can't get yourself ready for the blessings or the chastising, then you can't be ready for the blessings. So along with that comes, it says, if you, if you can't face things in your life and make good godly decisions, you might ought to think about your salvation. You might ought to really reconcile your differences between you and God because if you're making hasty decisions... You're not making godly decisions. You know, the Bible says, be slow to speak and swift to hear. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And, you know, as I was laying in bed the other night, I began to think about the messages that I've heard preached from Brother Micah to Brother Bo, and you can't stop a worship, you know, worshiper. You can't, you know, Brother Levi preached your night. You can lose your favor with God. And... As we were singing, you don't know what I know, what Jesus has done for me. I can tell you that's true. Each and every one of us standing in here today and sitting here today, we don't really know how each other feels, to be honest with you. We kind of bask in the glory when somebody's blessed a little bit, but we truly don't understand how they feel. And as I was 
putting this message together this past week, I began to sit around and listen to some other ministers talk and preach about some things, and Brother Ken Gurley was one of them that I listened to. I want to bring back to your remembrance again some of the things that uh, has been preached to you in the last little while. We've got to be a buffer between the man of God and the enemy. And how many of you are willing to put on that shield? We like to say we would, but do we? Do you make the right decisions to be in front of that man, or do you make the decisions that you need to be behind that man because you ain't doing your job right? See, if, if, if that's the case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you. I'm going to take you a little bit deeper than what Brother Micah did. He's not the only one we got to defend. I got to stand between the enemy and Brother Jacob, Brother Jason, Sister Gordon, Sister Laura, Sister Lissy. And see, if I'm not willing to stand in front of those folks and take, and take on the enemy to keep the enemy from getting to them, then there's no love. That's a godly decision. The Bible says when one is blessed, we're all blessed, but one suffers, we all suffer. You know, there's been a lot of suffering going on in my life in the last little while. Some decisions that people's made around me has affected me. And I want to share something with you that if you're making decisions that are affecting people around you and you don't have no concern for that, man, you've got something that you're lacking in your soul. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you, if you can literally, and, and let's face it, folks, I'm just going to be plain blunt honest with you. We've all been there. We've all said things, done things that we shouldn't do. We didn't make the proper decisions. We didn't make the godly decisions. Decisions are not to be taken lightly. For every decision made, there's a consequence to be paid. I've been uttering those words for a long time now. And to be honest with you, until I sat down and started reading this and started studying this out, I never really knew what that really meant to me. I just like to blurt it out because it sounded good and poetic. Decisions made with consequences to be paid. Well, the decisions I make determines whether my family's fed. The decisions I make determine whether my bills are paid. The decisions that I make, it may, it's a decision whether the church is blessed or cursed. See, you can be hiding underneath the canopy of blessing and still be a discouragement to God. When you come in here and people are being blessed and they're shouting and they're running and dancing and you get some of that and you get a little bit of that feel and you go out of here and then you go back to the same old routine that you was in before you came in here, you're not growing. So you made the decision not to grow that service. Every service should be a changing situation in our life. Every service. You know, Every morning I make the decision to get out of bed at 4.30, quarter to 5, or a quarter after 5, and I decide to get up, go downstairs, make my coffee, drink my coffee, read my word of God, turn on the news, whatever the case might be. Every morning I make a decision. Every morning I get behind the wheel of my car. I drive to work. I can make a decision on whether letting people in front of me impact the way that I feel about my day, or I can let people around me know that, hey, it's okay, I'm still going to have a good day anyways. You know, with, with decisions, there's so many consequences that go along with them. I'm going to take your attention to Matthew right quick, 26 and verse 31. 
It says, Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go before ye into Galilee. Peter answered, and I want you to listen to the boldness of what Peter says, okay? I don't know if you ever really read this and let this sink in, but I want you to listen to the boldness that Peter spoke up with. It says, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Jesus done knew what Peter was going to say, and Jesus was all ready to go, Wait a minute, back up, hold the horses here. It says, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto ye, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. You think about that. Peter, with all good intentions, he was all ready. He was going to stand and he was going to defend God at all cost. But God looks at him and says, Peter, stop. You're not all that. You're not that strong, Peter. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I created you, and I know you, and I know your thought process, and I know your decision-making. You're a hothead, Peter. You're somebody that's a little bit uncontrollable. So when they come accusing you of knowing me, you're going to deny me. I can't imagine what Peter felt like because he was probably standing on his chest all puffed out. I'm not going to be offended, God, no matter what they do, Jesus. I'm not going to be offended no matter what they do to you or what they say about you. And we're going to continue to roll with this thing, and we're going to make this thing grow. And God says, stop, Peter. Just stop. You're standing against the will of God. See, Peter made a decision. He was going to be bold and bragful and mighty, and God was saying, slow your roll. Things have got to happen in order. See, so many times we put the decision-making and we make the hasty decisions before we think about all of the people that we affect around us. Every decision you make, whether in this place or out of this place, affects every single person that sits in this place. It affects everything that God is trying to do to help breaking bread grow. So think about that the next time we want to make some hasty decisions and we want to jump onto something and get involved in something. When the Bible says, be slow to speak, whoa, back up, swift to hear, meaning that this tongue, it's the most unruly thing in our body, Brother Nathan. And when we're offended in the flesh, boy, the first thing we want to do is open his mouth and start beating our lips together and stating our opinions instead of just stopping for a second like Jesus told Peter here, Peter, hold on one second. Just back up a little bit, Peter. You're kind of getting ahead of the game here. You're kind of getting ahead of the plan. You know, this man sits down at night and he prays. And he's got a plan for where this place is headed. And I'm going to tell you something, okay? I'm just going to be as honest as I know how to be with you tonight. I have watched many great men fall because of people around them not making proper decisions. I've watched it. I've experienced it. I've seen it. And, yeah, and sometimes I was even a part of it. I've watched great men of God that was on a path that was taking their churches right down the straight and narrow and all because of people making decisions and talking when they shouldn't be talking and uttering words in the quiet. I'm going to tell you something. Be sure your sins will find you out. There used to be a young lady we used to go to church with all the time. 
Her name was Reba Medford. Right? Metter. John Metter. Yeah, Reba Metters. And she used to utter that all the time. She would walk up to you, and sometimes it would, I would see it would fend people. Been there. She walked up to me one day and said, be sure your sins will find you out. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going to sin in my life. Knowing good and well, I had some sin in my life. But just like Peter here, Peter told Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. There ain't no way. I would die for you. And Peter's like, and Jesus is like, Peter, stop. You're getting ahead. You're getting ahead. Slow down a little bit, okay? And I kind of want to set that up for you to set up the scenario that I'm about to bring to your life. It says, Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also saideth all of the disciples. See, we focus on poor old Peter here. Peter's the one that steps out in front of everybody else and says, hey, I'm not going to deny you. We forget that all the disciples stood with him that night. And in case you, don't, you haven't read this, or in case you don't know where we're going, we're getting ready to go into where Jesus went to prayer, okay? Verse 36, Then cometh Jesus unto them, unto a place, cometh with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit here. Sit here for a while while I go pray. <laughs> I'm going to get on the minister's toes a little bit here. I'm going to get on some of these some of these holier-than-thou people's toes a little bit here. When the pastor says, go over here and sit here for just a little bit while I go pray. When they come and say, Pastor John, what do you think I should do about this situation? And you say, just sit right here for a minute. I'm going to go over here and pray. Give me a little bit of time, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get back with you on the situation. And then Brother John goes off, and he goes off to prayer because you ask him, what should I do in this situation? And because he's not getting back to you fast enough, you jump up and go make the wrong decision because you couldn't wait on a man of God to guide you. That's exactly what Peter did here. That's exactly what the disciples did here. Jesus was telling them, wait right here while I go pray. Give me a minute. Let me get this thing figured out for you, and I'll I'll give you some guidance. It says, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. See, Jesus knew what he was about to face. And I'm going to take you one step farther than that. Jesus knew what his disciples were about ready to face. Jesus knew that the men loved him. And he probably deep down inside, he knew that they were going to die for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have chosen them. So I'm asking you today, how, how, how deep is your love for God? Where does your love stop? Does it have a shallow meaning? Or is it something that's deep-seated and rooted and grounded into you so much that no matter what happens, you're going to serve God? See, I was one of those guys that thought no matter what happened, I was going to serve God. And then one day something happened, and I found myself not serving God. A decision was made. So your decisions do weigh heavy on everything around you. When my children were growing up, the decisions I made determined what kind of man and woman they were going to become later on in life. If I babied them, pacified them, and gave them everything they needed, they weren't going to be no good for anything. Trust me. But if I corrected them and chastised them and set them straight, 
they still were going to make mistakes. They still were going to do things that I didn't agree with. But in the back of their head, they had the teachings of dad and mom grilling in their minds. Mom and dad would be disappointed if I do this. How deep is your root that God's in the back of your mind and you're making decisions and you're going, God's not going to like this. Or how many times have we opened our mouth and begin to speak and then all of a sudden we hear that small, still voice say, what are you doing? And all of a sudden you go, man, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass you. I didn't mean to set you back. It says, then he then said, saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful and even unto death. See, he's sitting there telling them, I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to die. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And say, watch for me. Say, watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And he said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Can you not endure a lifetime of pain for me? Can you not even sacrifice a little bit of TV time for me? Can you not sacrifice a little bit of family time for me? Can you not sacrifice a little bit of job time for me? Can you not make any sacrifices for me? Jesus was disappointed with the disciples because he told them to stay here and watch with me. In other words, watch my back. Watch my back. There's something that's about to happen, and I need you to, I need to know that you have my back and you're taking care of back there so that I can go forward and get busy with the will of my Father, which is in heaven. But we can't get the back of this man. And when we can't get the back of this man, you know, that's the highest podium you can get to. We can't even get the backs of each other. When, when we have a prayer chat going on, and the prayer chat will light up every now and then, and things will get put on there. And, man, you'll see all the people just going, bam, 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 praying, 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 praying. And I wonder just how many of us really are praying. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. You know, we started off, we were absolutely running like mad with prayer. We were in the front yards of people. In the bitter cold, in the snow, up to halfway up our calves. And there was times it was blowing sideways and 15 degrees outside. But we were still standing there praying. Now we've gotten a little comfortable. We got used to coming into church. We don't get out here and we don't go to the hospital parking lots no more. And you know what? I see the numbers beginning to fade away. I see the very people that helped put that group chat together, we're beginning to kind of get a little bit slack and slumber. Where's my back? Who's watching me? Brother Bowes started that off, and I had Brother Bowes back. We're going to continue to do that because that's what God's called us to do. Every decision you make, and I hope you, I hope you get this tonight, every decision that we make affects everybody around us. Every decision. You know, I'll, I'll lighten up on it a little bit. 
The other day I went made a decision. I was going to put some totes up in my attic. Not as young as I used to be. Not as strong as I used to be. Don't want to admit that. So instead of hollering for somebody to come and help me, I grab the ladder and I go out there and I grab the totes. I throw it up on my shoulders. I'm like, whoa, that's a little bit heavier than I thought. So I get underneath that tote, Pastor John, and I put both hands underneath there and I go stretching up. And what happens? It slips sideways and falls down, hits me across the top of my head and busts my head open. And I'm going, well, that was about a dumb decision. But yet when we walk in the church and we've been asked to come up and do pre-service prayer and we're too busy talking instead of praying, do you realize we're not setting the tone for the service when we're not doing what we've been asked to do? If we're not making our way to the front and praying like we've been asked, or I'll give you one better than that. On Tuesday night, we all know that Wednesday is the fast day for the church. We get up, we go about our routine, and we forget all about the fast times that we set aside. I can promise you that half of us, myself included, sometimes I forget to fast on Wednesday. And you know what? What happens is the very first time I take that first bite, God says, I thought you were supposed to fast today. See that little small, still voice? It still haunts you. It still can get you if you give it a chance. So now I begin to fashion myself as, hey, Tuesday night, I know come Wednesday morning that's going to be fast time for my church. You know, if we were more busy about fasting and praying for the church than we were talking about the church or gossiping about what's going on in the church or going wrong with the church and why it's not moving where it should be, if we were busy beating the altars of heaven on behalf of our friends and the people that we call saints and loved ones, if we were busier about that than we were sitting around doing other things, again, not making the right decision. You know, there was a time that I was sitting in leadership development program, and I remember these very words that the man uttered to us. He said, if you go out here and you see something, Brother Nathan, and you want it, you know that you're not really financially set yet to do that, so you go home and you think about it for three days. And if at the end of three days, Sister Laney, if you still want that object, by all means, go back and buy it because you've already had enough time. you figure out how you're going to pay for it. Never make a hasty decision based off of the things that the eye sees and the things that the ears hear. Never make those decisions because it will always come back home to haunt you. It says, And he cometh to his disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me an hour? Watch and pray that ye enter, that ye enter not into temptation, the spirit Indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They already proved to him the flesh was weak. They fell asleep while the man was in there praying, and they were supposed to be setting up watching with him and having his back, and they should have been in prayer with him. See, you can only go to a man of God, Pastor John, Brother Carl, or somebody else in here, Sister Laney, Sister Lexi. You can only go to them and ask them to pray. You better be praying for yourself, Okay. You better be praying for yourself. And that's why when we put this name list up on the board, those prayers, you should be praying for those people and fasting for those people just like they were yourself. The Bible says love your enemy. Love those that despitefully use you. It's amazing to me how far off base we get sometimes because of the simple little decisions we make. You're flipping through Facebook and you see something and all of a sudden there, there's a little ringing goes on in your ear and you go, oh, I better comment on that. And you hear that small, still voice say, you need to stay out of that. You don't need to get involved in that. 
you don't need to be doing and endorsing what the church stands against. But yet we do that every single day of our lives. There's not a person sitting in this place that doesn't know what this church stands for and what this church means to each and every person in here. You know, as I pulled in this driveway the other day, I sat and I, st- and I looked at this building. I thought, you know, God, that's just a building. Pastor John, this ain't nothing but a building. They could come in here tomorrow and put a gymnasium in here and it'd be a basketball court from front to back and that'd be the end of it. It's not this building that makes this body. It's you folks that make this body. It's you folks that are the ones that make this place what it is. It's you folks that gives the people, the men and women of God, a reason to get up and come in here and visit. You don't just come in here because it's routine. I hope not anyways. Because a serving God becomes a routine to you, you better find your way to the altar tonight and ask for forgiveness and get busy serving God for your soul and not because of routine. Routines is what I talked about earlier. I get up, I go make my coffee, I go sit down, and I open my Bible, and I read my Bible, or I flip on the news, or I go home at night after work, and I sit down, I turn on TV and watch a little TV show. Those are decisions. Those are things that, they're, they're kind of important, but they're not important. But when, I'll, I'll go back this far, okay? When my daughter was born, and she was taken out of Johnson County Hospital in an incubator and taken to St. Francis Hospital, I wanted the prayers of the saints. I needed the prayers of the saints. And as I sat there and I watched a young lady sitting next to me that had a little baby and it wasn't no bigger than this, my daughter's situation was the worst in the world. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting next to somebody that's got it a whole lot worse than I did. I made the decision, you know what? It's going to be okay. I'm going to pray for her and it's going to be all right. I made the decision, this isn't going to take me down. This isn't going to stop me from serving God. This isn't going to keep me away from the house of God. But yet we let so many little things. You know, the Bible says the small foxes is what destroys the vine. It's those little things. The devil isn't going to walk up and smack you in the back of the head and try and take over your thought process right there. He's going to do it a little bit at a time. He's going to grain feed you. I, I, I was sitting there thinking about the other day, Pastor John, I was feeding my grandbaby. And I was taking a spoon, and I was putting down her little little cup, you know, and I was pulling it out, and I was putting it in her mouth, and I had to take a spoon and wipe her mouth away, and everything kept pushing it in there and pushing it in there. And I think, why does God have to do that to us? He's always feeding us something that we can't eat because we're not making the right decisions and fasting and praying like we should be to get off of the milk and get on the meat. I've seen people make decisions to go into demonic homes and try to pray the demons out of somebody and walk out with that thing on them. Because they didn't have the power to go in and face something, but because they were all boastful and bragful, they were ready to go in there and try and face the enemy, and then, bam, their life's turned upside down. And they can't understand why. See, if I could get one thing across to you tonight, this isn't a race for the swift. This is a race that you got to endure. you got to endure the heartaches. You got to endure the headaches. You got to you got to endure the letdowns. You got to be able to endure the letdowns because the world is full of letdowns. When you're dealing with people, you're dealing with letdowns because not everybody's on the same playing field. Not everybody's on the same level when it comes to serving God. Some people get so far up there, they think they got it all figured out. They got all the answers, and they know how to do it all. 
I used to tell Levi all the time, him and I used to go round and round. I'd say, do it like this. He's like, no, no, Dad, do it like this. No, do it like this. No, Dad, do it like this. It's like, just give it to me and I'll do it myself. And he would get offended and say, well, there ain't nothing I can do good enough for you. It's because I was trying to instruct him on the proper way to do something, and he didn't want to do it that way. See, I was that way. My dad tried to instruct me, and I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do it my own way. The man of God, the church of God, tries to instruct us, but we don't want to do it that way. We want to do it our own way. Everybody's always got a better method figured out for serving God. It's not rocket science, folks. It's really not. There's a roadmap laid in your lap right now or on your phone app. There's a roadmap showing you what it takes to serve God. It's not hard to do. It's not always easy. It's not difficult to do unless you don't want to change. See, it's not easy if you make it not easy. It's easy to look at the church and go, you know what? I'm going to back breaking bread no matter what. I'm going to be an uplifting to it. You make a decision when you walk through that door. If you walk in here and you get your all, give it your all in all in the service, you know, it's like the other day I watched Burr Nathan get back up here and sing. He knew he wasn't ready to do it yet, but he got up here and tried. I walked back to him. I said, Burr Nathan, look good to see you back up there again today. It was awesome. He goes, yeah, Brother Carl, but I think I rushed it a little bit. My throat still needs to kind of recover a little bit. But he put forth the effort. And that's all God asks us to do, is put forth the effort. Do a little more sometimes than what God asks you to do. It's kind of like this. When I'm cleaning a car or I'm doing something to my car at home, I don't halfway do it. I do it to the best of my knowledge. It may not always be right, but I do it to the best of my knowledge. And then if I find out a better way to do it, Brother Jason, I'm going to do it better next time. Just like you, when you started off being a, a heating and air guy, you didn't have all that stuff figured out. It took years of experience. That's what I'm talking about when I say this race is for the, it's not for the fast. It's for the ones that can endure. You're not going to learn all the tricks of the devil overnight. You're not going to learn those overnight. He's going to constantly be backing up and going at you over and over and over again because he's trying to take you down. You've got to make the decision to be able to face the enemy. And sometimes, just being honest, sometimes facing that enemy is looking in the mirror and saying, I don't like you no more. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're seeing. I don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror. I want to change. That's why we come to the altar. That's why we do the things we do. That's why we sacrifice the time to sit down and read our Bibles. I'm not saying the ministers alone in here do that because everybody in this room sits down and reads their Bibles. And I'm quite sure that some of you can be some of the best examples possible to the people around you. It's not hard. It's all about having a good attitude about serving God. And when you can say, I'm doing the best I can do, God hears that. And God says, okay, you're doing the best you can do now. Just like with Peter here. He said, Peter, wait a minute. You're trying to get way ahead of the plan of salvation here. First, Peter, back up. Oh, you went to sleep. You couldn't even pray with me for a little bit, but yet you're going to defend me to the death? You couldn't even pray and watch, but you're going to defend me? No, you're not. You're going to deny me. And you know why you're going to deny me? Because people need to see you deny me. You need to be that example to let people know that, hey, I messed up. 
If you read on through this chapter, you'll find out that Peter got so mad that he began to curse and swear when they accused him of knowing Jesus. The real Peter came out. You know, sometimes there's no saying in this world, if you really want to know how somebody feels about you, make them mad. Make somebody mad, you'll find out how they feel if they're not a child of God. Oh, there's a curveball for you. If they're not a child of God, you'll know exactly the way they feel. If they're a true child of God, they're going to pray for you and say, you know what? He offended me, but that's okay. I'm supposed to forgive you 70. Dad said it the other day in the meeting. 70 times 7 daily, we're supposed to be forgiving. We can't even do it once. What kind of child of God are we if we can't even do it once? What kind of child of God are we if we try to get ahead of the plan of salvation? You know, I, I tell Levi all the time, Levi, and he's probably going to go, Dad, I can't believe you used me for an example again tonight. But I tell him all the time, son, what you're going through is fine-tuning you for the future of what you're going to be. There's going to be a day, no doubt about it, that you're probably going to be called into the pastorship of some church, and you're going to be able to, you're going to, have to, be able to endure the things that the enemy throws your way. That's the bottom line, and I'm saying that to all the young people in this church. You're being fine-tuned for when you get to the positions of this man and this man and some of these ministers in here, some of these elder women in here that are prayer warriors. I used to watch my mom. She would leave the house. My dad didn't even go to church with her, but she never stopped. Dad would be sitting home watching TV. Mom would be packing the kids up and taking us to church. There was no option to stay home. It didn't matter mom had to take us, Sister Lissy, without dad. It didn't matter. She was going to take us to church. And I thank God she did because right now all four of her kids are in church, and she's blessed because of it. See, a decision was made. I'm not going to hand my kids over to the enemy. I'm going to make my kids go to church. I'm going to make my kids serve God because there's going to be a day. You can ask mom if she was here. You could ask her. She knew in her heart there was going to be a day that her kids were going to face some tests, that they were going to fail miserably, and we did. But because of the upbringings and because of sleeping in the pews and under the pews, we were able to endure those things and turn our lives back around and come back around full circle and go, God is good. God is good no matter what. When Kim left my house that day in, in May 2020, or I'm sorry, April 2020, when she left the house that day, I knew that God was going to be in control. Now, my flesh was really, really worried. But my spirit was like, I got this. I got this. Okay? And when I watched my son be lowered in the ground, I remember my flesh was shaking inside of me so bad, and my spirit was saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to be blessed again someday. Just you got to wait. You got to wait. And then we lost a child again. And I remember getting so frustrated, Pastor John, I just walked out of the hospital. I said, I'm never going to try again. I don't care no more. It doesn't matter. God's not going to. And I remember saying this. God's not going to bless us, Kim, so stop trying. And it went too long after that. Kim was pregnant with Levi. See, when you're at your weakest is when God shines his very best. But you have to be able to make the decision that God's in control. He knows what he's doing. He knows. When that boyfriend or that girlfriend walks away and you don't see them no more, you don't talk to them no more, it's okay. God's in control. When that job gets taken away from you, it's okay. God's in control. 
when one church falls and falls on its face, it's okay. God's in control. God's going to take care of the situation. He's going to bring another church up in your life. If you're a true child of God, you're going to throw your saddlebag over your back and you're going to find yourself another church and you're going to make yourself part of that church because God said to keep on going. You can't stop, guys. There's no such thing as giving up when it comes to God. I remember one time I walked into the church. I began to teach a Sunday school class. And, Brother Jacob, I remember my head began to pound so bad. I remember I had to walk over and I had to sit down on the front of the step like this. And I had to sit down and teach my Sunday school class. And I'm trying to think and everything inside of my head's just throbbing like mad. And I feel myself going. But I kept on pressing. I kept on going. And eventually that headache began to subside. See, you got to show the devil sometimes, Sister Kaylee, he's not winning no matter what the battle is. Sometimes you got to continue to press on. Just like this young man right here. I remember a time when he called me and Sister Bree had a seizure. And I remember him crying his eyes out. And he was saying, she was saying, Daddy, don't let me die. Daddy, don't let me die. And I know what that feels like. And I know what he was going through. And I kept saying, John, it's going to be okay. God's got this. It's going to be all right. I promise you're going to make it through this. See, so many times we get weak when we should be strong, Brother Joe. When we're at our weakest is when God shines his very best. And he does that because we put our shoulder to the plow and we keep on going, Brother Jason. We don't stop. When you got the phone call from Angel about Angel's accident, you didn't stop. You got to the hospital, you began to pray, and then you found your way to the church because you knew that's where you needed to be. And now look at you. Your family's growing. Your kids are in church with you. Your wife was running around this church the other day just shouting all over the place. How much more do you have to get excited than that? I'm seeing people that I never dreamed would be excited in this church, being excited in this church. Brother David, I know where he came from. I know what he went through. He made a decision one day, enough is enough. He had to get to that point in his life where enough was enough. And when he had that point and he got to that point, Sister Lissy was added to his life. And now his life's better than he's ever had. I'm not saying anything about his, his past. I'm just saying his life's blessed more now than it's ever been. Uncle Lonnie and Aunt Karen, they came into the church. Aunt Karen came in first. And I remember every time she'd come, I'd say, Aunt Karen, where's Uncle Lonnie? Well, he just ain't ready yet. He just ain't ready yet. And then one day, Uncle Lonnie said, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to go back and see what God's got in store for me. And now they're some of the first people here. And Sister Karen is a greeter at the door and gets excited about being a greeter at the door. But we can't get excited about coming to church. I remember when, when Pastor John asked her to be a greeter, every time I saw her, she said, I'm going to be a greeter at church. I'm going to be a greeter at church. I get to stand in front of people and be a greeter. It's not, oh, I'm only a greeter. That's not what it was with her. And it's not, oh, I get to go to church with my family. No, I get to go to church with my family. I get to watch my family grow. I get to watch their friends come in. I get to watch people that I never thought I would see in the church. For goodness sakes, God brought a man all the way from New York City and put him in my, in my niece's life, and now she's blessed more than she's ever been in her life. You see all those things that are going on right now in your life? 
I listened to Brother Caleb preach one of the best messages I've ever heard him preach the other day. He's growing as a man of God. His exhorting is becoming more and more fluent to him. He's beginning to be more comfortable up there. He's beginning to be able to speak more clearly. If he would have gave up, that wouldn't have happened. I remember the first time I asked him to speak when he was down at Franklin Church. He was stumbling all over his words and everything else. He's like, man, I really bombed. No, you didn't. You're learning. You're learning. You have to go through a learning curve to learn how to serve God. Now, with that said, but you have to keep growing in that learning curve to learn how to serve God. You have to be able to keep that shoulder to the plow and keep on pushing. As the musicians come, I'm going to say one more thing to you. I remember my mom. (laughs) I go back to my mom a lot, and it's not because she's my mom, trust me. It's because it's a godly example that's been laid out to me over life. She's my mom, yeah, and I thank the world of her. But I'm going to tell you right now, you haven't been on the receiving end of the punishment of Peg Biddle. When you're there, you learn a lot more respect. But I remember watching her and Sister Joyce Ramsey, Miss Mills. They would make their way to the church when there was only three of them, and they would go in, and they would find themselves an altar, and they would kneel down, and they'd begin to pray. And then the next thing I know, some other people started coming, and some other people started coming. And I remember my wife, when my wife first started going to church with me, I remember telling her, Kim, if you want to succeed serving God, find you a woman in the church that is a good, godly woman, and you fashion your life after her. You fashion your life after her. And she found Miss Mills. And I can't tell you what it's like to go from hearing rap music and all kinds of crazy stuff going on in my house to hearing my wife speaking in tongues on the phone with Miss Mills when they're praying. I was like, yep, finally made it. Finally made it. We finally got there. Kim got filled. We're good now. And then all kinds of chaos broke loose in our lives. And I'm sure that I could pass this mic around And each and every one of you have hurtful stories that you've endured. You have problems that you've faced that you didn't know if you were going to make it through or not. You've had situations where you go, man, God, what is enough enough? When are you going to stop punishing me, Lord? And God says, I'm not punishing you. I'm fine-tuning you. There's a big difference. Guys, the problems you face, they're not punishment. They're God's way of helping you grow. Kim's dad and I, we used to have some really, really heart-to-heart conversations about Christianity. And I remember he told me one time, he said, how do you serve a God that took your only son? I said, I serve a God that took my son home. There's a big difference. I said, not to mention, Dad, I'm twice as blessed. I got Levi and Rainey now. I don't regret anything that God has dealt me in life. I'm just going to be honest with you. All the way from my marriage to the rough times that we've had to losing my son to my wife almost passing, I don't regret any of it. 
because it's made me what I am. And the reason it's made me what I am is because people like you folks that are around me that are praying and fasting and unlike Jesus, I don't have to worry about you having my back because I know you got my back. You proved that to me. This church proved something to me. And if you know anything about Brother Crawl, you'll learn one thing about me. I'm a very dedicated man. I'm very devoted. And when people do things for me, I don't forget it. I stayed a job 35 years because of that devotion. Went through hell on that job because of that devotion to some people there. I stuck it out until one day I was like, that's it. I got to go. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm blessed now more than I've ever been. I work with a great, a great group of guys. We laugh and joke all the time. I, don't, I didn't know what that was like. I'm going to bring this forward for you now. When we come to church, we should be coming to church with a great group of people. When we come to church, we should be able to leave this place and say, Brother, Brother Jacob got happy and he ran all over this place. Man, I'm so excited. I'm just so, I cannot wait to get back in there and see what God's going to do for Brother Jason next week. Or I can't wait to get in and see what God's going to do for Sister Kaylee on Sunday. Or I can't wait to get in there and see who's going to be healed now. And who's going to be delivered now? Who's going to be speaking in tongues next? Who's going to be shouting and running all over the church? Who's going to be happy and running and, and, and thanking God for the good things that are going on? And I'm not talking about financial blessings. Guys, come on. We earn our money by the breaking of our back. Okay? Now, God does tell you to be a good steward of that money and put it where it needs to be. I'm talking about the deep things that's going to get you to heaven. The souls that you're changing the people's minds that you're changing. If you would have told me that Brother Chase would be sitting here with Sister Hannah in church and they both would have been baptized, I would have said, nah, that'll be a while. But thank God they both proved me wrong. Sister Hannah done it on a, on a fellowship meeting. She's like, I can't wait. I got to go now. Brother Chase got the honors of coming up here and being baptized in front of his church. Sister Hannah said, I don't care where I'm going to be. I'm going to get baptized tonight. I got to have God. I got to have God in my life. Sister Hannah, don't let that ever die. Don't let that excitement ever go away. No matter what the enemy throws your direction, don't ever let that go. That's something that's ringing in my spirit. Every time I get weak about something, I think about Sister Hannah going to the, going to the, to the podium saying, I got to get baptized tonight. Wasn't even in her home church, but she had to get baptized guys, it's worth it. If I could tell you one thing, you might think it's worth it to put away money to live your life comfortably when you're retired. You ain't seen nothing yet. When you put away the little trinkets that God gives you in your life and your life is over and you step onto heaven's shores, man, everything else is going to fail in comparison. I hope and pray that God said something to you tonight that causes you to think about what the decisions you make how the consequences pay because every decision you make affects every person standing in this podium and it affects every person sitting in those seats. Every decision you make affects somebody. Thank you. God bless you.